This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Well, we appreciate you joining us for our latest podcast. We figure we do something different um, as we kind of get near the holidays. Um, you know, while everything was going on, and really throughout this odd and, and challenging season, we really didn't sit down um, even at a distance with Matt Silverman, one of the team presidents of the race. So I thought it would be good to sit down from him and kind of look forward and look back. Matt, thanks for, for hanging out with us. I appreciate it, Neil, and I, I miss sitting down with you. <laughs> Tell me... Um, now that you've had some time to reflect, um, what's going to stick with you from this year? Yeah, you know, the, the, the big wins, the big celebrations, uh, and, you know, the slaying of, of a couple of giants, I think those will, will really stick with me. Uh, you know, we can talk a lot about the challenges of this season, um, you know, w- what we all went through on a personal level, uh, on a professional level with, with COVID and continue to deal with, with COVID. But when, when I think back uh, upon this year, it's taken down the Yankees, it's taken down the Astros and, uh, you know, a valiant fight with, with the Dodgers, but we're going to raise some banners next year. We have another pennant and, um, you know, it, it, it feels as good and as special uh, as any of the other playoff appearances and you know, any of the other uh, you know, big playoff wins that we've, that we've had in our history. You know, when I chatted with Kevin, and, and I've done this a few times, especially after he won manager of the year, he still says the Brasso moment was his favorite moment in baseball. Um, as someone who grew up in the game, is that your favorite moment from this year or something else? Uh, it's, it, it's up there. You know, it's, 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 a, it's great that we have like a debate because normally – you, you'd say hands down that Brasso moment is, is, is the best one you can imagine. Uh, and, and it might be, uh, especially because that was the, the, the clincher for that series. Um, and, you know, without it, we wouldn't have had the, the Astro series and the Dodgers series. But the, the World Series walk-off win, you know, the, the, the hit, the fall down, the, the whole thing with, uh, with Phillips and, and Randy Rosarina, that ending – was the craziest play I've ever seen in, in baseball. The just the the drama, the ups and downs within just that one play were, were incredible, and the stakes were so high. Um, I, you know that one, that one may stick with me longer, just in terms of the the actual emotions of the play, because it took you know it, it it unfolded over you know like a thirty second period where the Brasso thing that was just um, you know like the slaying of of, of the dragon. Uh, that that was you know the the ultimate revenge for what had happened and um, it was a personal it was a personal battle between uh, you know uh, between him and Chapman uh, but it was also like an, an organizational franchise team battle versus the Yankees and our first opportunity to play them in the playoffs and to to beat them in that fashion yeah it's going to be one that sticks with us for for a long long time. Did you enjoy all this more because of all that was going on with COVID or was it harder to enjoy because of maybe what you had to 
deal with on a personal and a professional level? It, it was harder. Uh, and, and what was really missing uh, were the fans, uh, you know, our community, you know, and on a personal note, you know, friends and family being a part of it. You know, that when I think back to past playoff appearances, when I think back to, to beating the Red Sox in, in game seven, uh, so many of those memories were about, you know, the trop. They were about uh, the fans, you know, just the energy in the ballpark and, and do, you know, sitting next to, uh, you know, to Stu and to Brian and, you know, to be with my wife and kids, you know, last year uh, with the Houston series. I, I really miss that. Um, but what this what this season did provide, uh, and I was you know fortunate to be in the bubble and, and you know, with the team and, you know, in San Diego and, you know, in Texas, it was it was more personal. Now, you know, if you strip away the fans and you you know strip away um, all, you know, all the craziness of a of a playoff game, it was a personal battle between two teams um, where you could hear each other. You know, the teams could hear each other talking back and forth. Um, it, you know, it just it felt a lot more personal um, because you didn't have uh, everything surrounding it. Very different, and and I would much prefer the packed stadiums and the energy and excitement. Um, but it was an interesting contrast to what we what we normally experience with playoff baseball. Can you take us since you had to we're, we're going to touch on the bubble and what that experience was like. But can you even go back to March and when you had to shut down the offices um, and think about that? And and when it happened, what did you think was, you know, how long did you think it was going to last at that point? Yeah, yeah we, we didn't know. Uh, if we were going to have a season at all. Um, it, it was actually in February when we had an employee meeting. I remember you know, Stu uh, addressed the staff and said, you know, th this um, this virus, and at the time we really didn't have a name for it, um, this this virus is going to have a major impact. And I, I don't think he could have predicted how major, but, but we knew it was going to be disruptive. Um, and, you know, I, I think back to not knowing if there was going to be a season, um, you know, all the uncertainty that, that existed with the virus and, and, you know, how it was transmitted and you know, how lethal it might be. And will, you know, will we have the hospital capacity uh, as a community to be able to deal with it? Um, we're not through all those issues. And, you know, unfortunately, the, the virus is rearing its ugly head right now, uh, but we know a lot more. And I think back to, um, you know, uh, if the organization had set itself up and you know Eric and baseball operations had put together a team that was ready to compete this year, and I, you know, I was I was depressed that it wasn't going to have the opportunity to to build off of the the season before and to show what it could do and compete for a title because we really thought that we had that type of a of a team put together with the talent and with the depth, um, and so you know even in an abbreviated sixty game schedule. It was nice. It was, I mean, it was, it was wonderful to be able to see this team come together and get that opportunity to show what, what, what they were made of. How much uh, did your job change um, as, a, as a team president in all of this? You mentioned being in the bubble during the playoffs. What types of things did you end up taking on um, because of the way the world evolved? I, I think we all just banded together to try to figure out how to, to navigate, you know, that the organization through um, this, this ongoing challenge. Um, and it, it was really everyone, you know, together trying to figure it out. There's no playbook for, for this. Uh, and what I really appreciate about our group is how um, you know, everyone dove into that work and it became a real team effort within the bubble. Um, 
you know, we, we actually got to bond in a way that you, you normally don't get to uh, when you have the, the regular season and, you know, every, everyone is, is with their family and you're, you're going about normal activity. And we were together for 30 something days with only each other to interact with. And so you got to know people on a personal level that you, you wouldn't necessarily have the time uh, or the opportunity to, to do that. And we just sort of worked through all the challenges together. Um, it was, you know, we're not a very hierarchical organization. You know, we're, we're, we consider ourselves pretty flat and people are empowered to, to do their jobs. Um, it, it got as flat as it can be with everyone just pitching in and trying to figure out how we can do this. And I think that was one of our, one of our strengths as an organization, as a team, is um, that group really came together and really, really had each other's backs. That, that started way back in spring training. Uh, it started, you know, with, and it's when we restarted the season, uh, you know, with Charlie Morton and others talking about the, the need to take care of each other. And you know, we did all the way through the World Series. So the bubble experience, that started what, right before the playoffs? How different was what you did, let's say, before then versus what you did during that stretch? You know, before the bubble, um, we, we would come to Tropicana Field for, for the home games. Uh, we would interact. I personally would interact um, a little bit with Kevin Cash, mostly with Eric, Carlos, Pete, uh, Jeremy Sowers, Winston Doom. That was the group of us that were watching the games uh, from afar you know, with, within Tropicana Field. When the team went on the road, it was on the road and it was a very small group. We didn't, you know, I certainly didn't travel with, with the team. Um, and so I you know, sort of, I personally felt a part of it um, and, you know, felt an obligation to, to, to be at the stadium for, for those games, but at the same time, didn't want to introduce risk germs into the environment. So sort of stayed away as much as possible. Once we entered the bubble, and it was really sort of the, the last week of the season, um, you know, leading up into the Toronto series, we were at the Vinoy together. It was a pretty strict quarantine at the Vinoy. Uh, we weren't supposed to leave our rooms or interact. We were really trying to, to isolate before we went into, I guess, the, the real bubble uh, heading to San Diego. And at that point, you know, we sort of looked around and there was a group of 50 of us that were allowed to be in the bubble. And, and we knew that, you know, for the duration of this journey, which we hoped was going to take us, you know, 30 something days deep into the World Series, we were going to be together as a family. And, and um, you know, that's when a lot of the walls came down and, and we just, you know, we just uh, embraced each other as, as a group and as a family uh, and, and had a lot of fun. You know, there were a ton of sacrifices by our families uh, for us to be able to do this. And, uh, you know, I, I, I can't thank my wife enough for her, for all that she did. Um, and we tried to, you know, keep that in mind, but, you know, we were there together in the bubble and we tried to make the best of it and, you know, have as good of a time as possible. And certainly the wins and the celebrations uh, added to that in, in a great, in a great manner. You know, we talk a lot about, um, or I think in our house, we've had a lot of talks about mental health and um, I've got kids who are 14 and 12. Um, how are your kids are a little bit younger. How, how's your family doing in all this? You know, they're hanging in, um, you know, like, like everyone else, just trying to, to figure out how to do this. And I think you know, we, we try to be as honest with our kids that, you know, we've never lived through something like this, so we don't have the answers and we're just trying to figure out the best way to, to manage through this. Um, our, our kids weren't in school in person. They were doing virtual school uh, all the way up through when I entered the bubble. And it was at that point that they happened to, to go back to in-person schooling. Uh, 
uh, and they've been they've been doing that for the the past couple months. Uh, and you know, for their sanity, their mental health, you know, for their development, it's it's incredible. It's night and day when what happened once they went back to school. And there's obviously more risk involved in in that. Um, and we're all just trying to to balance the risk and rewards of that. But they once they got back in school, they were different. They were they were just more interactive. They were more excited. And you know, just the break from being at home 24/7 with each other was was important. Uh, and I'm hopeful that we'll be able to keep schools open and um, you know can sort of continue the positive trajectory because we do have vaccines that seem like they're they're going to come out and there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. But we 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 can't get lazy. We can't get complacent now as a as a community um, because you know we can we still see these spikes and you know this virus is st- is still uh, something nasty that we all have to deal with. No doubt about that. Um, the rest of your family, you know, you've got you grew up in in the Arlington area, and you go to the World Series. Are you separate from them? Did they even come to games? What was that like? Did you even were you at least able to FaceTime or something like that? Yeah, I was able to FaceTime. Uh, my wife Andrea and and the kids went to Dallas for the World Series, um, and Andrea was able to come to some of the games. But she was she was a fan, and she was in the stands and. Uh, the re- you know, I, I was in the bubble and in a secure zone, so mm-hmm. I could wave to them, you know, from 20 feet apart uh, pregame. That's about as close as I was able to to get to them. But I did have a number of friends and family who purchased tickets to the World Series who who were there, um, and they they loved being at the games, but they didn't feel totally comfortable. And I think it's just part of uh, you know getting used to. Uh, a new way of doing things and, you know, sort of reintegrating back into the things that we, that we used to do. Um, and I think it's a good blueprint. You know, it, it sets a good blueprint for, for us as an organization, as we try to plan for next year and fans coming back to the ballpark and how we can do it in a responsible way. Uh, we learned you know, from what the, the Rangers did, we learned, you know, some of the positives, some of the pitfalls. And I think as an industry, we're all going to be learning from each other to make sure that we provide the, the best experience possible as the, you know, as the environment changes and hopefully improves um, heading into next year. Yeah, what's, what did you guys learn is the biggest, are the biggest challenges? And, and certainly in Florida, it's a little different because you have an elderly, a more elderly population and a ballpark with a roof that is fixed where, you know, you, you can't have open air involved. I mean, you could open some of, some of the, uh, some areas that will get some circulation in, but, but it's certainly different. Yeah, we, we did a lot of testing of, of air quality at the TROP uh, throughout this season in different in different spots. And, and there seems to be the, the requisite uh, circulation. And um, it, it, But, you know, we'll continue to, to work on that. You know, the spacing of fans is, is challenging. Um, the, you know, enforcement of masks is, is something that you have to be diligent uh, about. When you introduce food and drink, especially you're talking about alcohol into the equation, um, you know it, it it does provide some challenges for in sort of enforcement of the rules. You know, I I think as we get closer to a vaccine, um, I I think there will be uh, adaptations and we'll return a little bit closer to the way things were. But that could be you know many many months uh, away. It could be deeper into the season. And so what we need to do as an organization is prepare to bring fans back in a controlled way, in a way that, that they feel safe and that we feel that we're providing a, a safe environment, but at the same time, trying to 
bring as many as 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 we can, you know, as, uh, that want to come to these games because, as we saw in Arlington and we're seeing other places, people are looking for ways to congregate. We're, we're you know we're social. We want we want to be around people. We want to be doing exciting things like going to race games. There's that appetite, and so we're gonna figure out the way to provide that uh, for our fans, but in, in a way that that is as safe as, as possible. And you get to choose. You get to choose if you want to come to a raise game under the conditions that we provide. If you, you know, feel like it'll be fun and it'll be safe, great. Well, you know, it's a great opportunity for you. And if you want to wait until later when you might feel more comfortable or until there's after a vaccine, then you can do that too. But, you know, we're going to provide the way pe- ways for people to, to be raise fans, whether it's coming to the game, listening on radio, watching on TV, you know, the, the, the community uh, support this year, even though they weren't in the stands, the community support was, was incredible. And, we expect that to continue to build into next year. I want to touch on that too, but it sounds like from your standpoint, you expect that let's say we do have a full season and we certainly hope for that, that April may look a lot different than September in terms of the way fans are led into the ballpark, all that stuff. I think so. Uh, This year we had plans to bring uh, a few thousand fans into, into the ballpark and we just ran out of time. And I think if the season had gone longer, um, you know, if we were playing regular season games into October, we, we would have. And look at the, the with the Rowdies, we we did have fans uh, in the stands for several of the games, uh, and it went well. Um, so we we learned from from that experience. I would expect us to have um, to have fans in the stands come next year, come opening day against the Yankees. How many fans? I don't know. Uh, how you know how much they will be spaced? Don't know. Are we going to use the upper deck? In order to create, you know, more potential seats and you know more capacity, uh, those are questions that we're working on right now. But it provides some some interesting challenges for us because we don't know what the seating manifest will will be. You know, mm-hmm. it's hard to tell a season ticket holder, "Hey, here's your your seat," because we don't know if that seat's going to be available or if it's going to be blocked off for for distancing, and we don't know if the you know capacity that we start with in April might be able to change in May into June and, and, you know, change the seating sections around. So all those things are things we're working on. Um, and, you know, we're, we're thankful that our season ticket holders are patient as, patient as we work through this. But um, the goal is to have Tropicana Field rocking in a safe and uh, in a safe way, but mm-hmm. in a fun way so that we can all enjoy this. And the players get a big boost from having fans back in the stand. It, it was a big difference being in Texas versus being in San Diego having fans, even though there were a lot of Dodgers fans there, having fans and the energy that comes with um, you know, a ballpark that's, that's filled with people who are engaged, uh, it, it, it brings a level of play up um, and it, it just makes it feel more, more normal. You touched on the community support. Where does like the fact that you guys were able to help in the community in so many ways with Feeding Tampa Bay, with um, you know the interactions you had based on, I mean, we're, we're talking about one of the most tumultuous times in our history with the challenges with race relations and the involvement there and all the other community organizations that you guys helped during COVID. What does that part of this all fit in for you? you know, that's a for us. And you know, we, we can't always control the wins and losses. And the baseball season lasts six, seven months of the year. But, but our work in the community is, you know, is, is 12 months out of the year. It's every day. And so during this downtime, I think more attention went to our our efforts with so, social justice, uh, our efforts in terms of feeding Tampa Bay and providing necessary you know, food and services to to people who are struggling with uh, with COVID and the and the dis, 
this location from from COVID. Um, those got more attention because we weren't playing games, and that's a way we can impact our community and help our community. And then we saw with the play on the field, even though fans couldn't come to the trop, uh, you know, people were watching on TV, people were you know uh, listening on radio, and they were following uh, along and reading the Tampa Bay Times. And we got to provide you know, joy and excitement and something to talk about, something different than just you know, the, the COVID malaise uh, to the community. And it extended all the way you know, through the World Series. Uh, that's the other part that we can do uh, as a sports organization. So you really got to, to see those both, both sides of those. And you'll see this off season, we'll continue our community work. Uh, we'll continue to you know, tinker with the team and, and, and make sure that we have another compelling team on the field next year. Uh, and really build a, a lot of momentum for what can be, you know, several great years of Rays baseball ahead. Um, I'm curious, you know, your take on um, Game Six of the World Series has too much been made of that, and what was it like for you sitting in your seat during all this? Uh, well, I wasn't sitting much. Uh, <laughs> There's was, was a lot of standing and pacing, uh, you know. A lot's going to be made of that just because of uh, the spotlight that's on that game um, and, you know, the opponent, uh, you know, Blake being on the mound. Um, what I don't want is for it to overshadow the year, the accomplishments, the incredible moments, the beating, the, you know, beating the Yankees, beating the, the Astros, you know, winning the American League pennant. Those are the things that are, are, are the most memorable. But people are going to talk about losing game six. Um, and, you know, our, our margin for error is so slim in those games. Um, every decision has to be perfect and our players' execution has to be perfect. And um, and we weren't, you know, we didn't execute on the field the way we, we did in other games. Um, our offense, you know, couldn't muster uh, additional runs to give us uh, a little bit more of a margin of error. And that, you know, that, that that's unfortunate. But, you know, Kevin for his is it is five six years i can't even keep track of how long he's been he's been our manager he's been put in a situation where uh, you know, he's empowered and entrusted to make difficult decisions and he's made those decisions um to try to win the games and he has the support and the backing of the team sometimes they're unconventional um he doesn't do it to be unconventional he does it because he thinks we can win ball games and he leaves himself open and the organization open for second guessing, but that's the way he's, that's the way he's been doing it. That's the reason why he was manager of the year this year. That's the reason why you know, he's one of the longest tenured managers in baseball. And I think, you know, the, the best, the best manager in baseball. So um, you, you're not going to win them all. And, you know, just there are decisions and there's execution and it, it didn't work in game six. Um, but we, you know, we've always had the trust and confidence in him to, know what's going on, make the best decision, and then to live with the decisions and the, and the outcomes that, that come with it. Um, and, you know, we do, um, and we, we know what happened. We didn't win game six, um, but we did win game five and game seven before that because of the way he managed, the team performed. And, you know, I, I think we're all going to be stronger for what we went through this season, especially all the victories and the, 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 the winning of those series and winning the American League. Those are those are the things that uh, will stand out and help us uh, in the future as we try to to finally win the World Series. I I would agree with that. I think well said. We're going into the holidays here, and obviously we hope it's a I think a, a quiet and healthy holiday season for all our fans. What's kind of a message that you want to send out to them, and and what are you hoping for 
as we start to get ready for 2021? I, I, I hope our fans are, are healthy, stay healthy, you know, continue to be vigilant uh, about COVID and find ways to, to manage the risk and rewards of, uh, that the world pr presents to us right now uh, in terms of you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and, and, and the New Year's, you know, that trying to find the right way to gather with friends and, and family so that we can have a holiday season, but at the same time that we're keeping each other safe and know that there's you know, light at the end of the tunnel and there should be a fun baseball season uh, ahead next year. And, you know, you're going to have a great Rays team to root for. And from your standpoint, is, is your job still as different as it was during the regular season? Is everything from home for you? What's, what's it like and, and what are the biggest challenges you think? going into 21? I think it's trying to find ways to uh, get back on the path to normal. You know, Tropicana Field for you know, our offices are still closed. Uh, we're all working remotely, uh, hoping that can change as, as we head into to next year and find ways to start bringing people back to the office. Um, you know, I think we're more productive and efficient when we're in person, but we've managed to, to find ways to do it remotely. And I think we'll the future of our, our work together is going to be a blend of, you know, the old and the new. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm hoping that the work that we're doing here becomes a little bit more normal. And we're, you know, we're talking about what giveaways uh, we're going to have at the games and what types of promotions we have and what the advertising campaign looks like and um, you know, what, what the, the roster looks like heading into spring training. Those are the, those are the, the normal things that we do in the off season. We're having those conversations now, but, um, it's still a little bit of a challenge because we don't know exactly what next year is going to look like. Matt, good stuff. Let's hope for healthy and happy and a lot, two more games of success in 21 than we had in 20. Sounds good. Uh, that's the plan. We appreciate Matt Silverman being with us on our latest podcast. Um, for those of you who are not aware on the baseball side, we've got a lot on our blog, raceradio.mlblogs.com. And Friday is the day where teams have to add players uh, to avoid being Rule 5. If the Rays make some really significant moves in terms of trades, etc., uh, we'll have a podcast late on Friday. If not, we'll probably have something Monday. But either way, we thank you for being with us, and we will chat with you soon. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.